So it's our third study as we think about family. We are family members of the body of Christ. Today we're thinking about suffering together. Suffering together. After hearing and reading all the health warnings in the media, someone wrote the following. Brace yourself. Somewhere they're plotting the scare of the weak. Air is polluted. Water is too. Fish that swim in it are not good for you. Fresh fruits and vegetables, delicious, you say. Don't eat them. They're loaded with pesticide spray. Avoid dairy products. Say no to red meat. Cholesterol levels must go in retreat. The rays of the sun will certainly fret you. Stay in the house and Raiden will get you. If you walk in the woods... You can really get sick. Lyme disease is spread by a pinhead-sized tick. If one thing you won't get, another... If one thing you won't get, another one will. If one thing won't get you, another one will. But don't worry. Be happy. Because worry can kill. (laughs) We got that in the air. There's an old proverb that says... There is no home anywhere that does not sooner or later suffer the hush of suffering. There is no home anywhere that does not sooner or later suffer the hush of suffering. Sooner or later, every home, every person, every one of us finds ourselves with burdens that perhaps seem too heavy to bear. The Bible has at least three interesting statements about burdens. One is found in Galatians 6 verse 5. Each one should carry his own load. Equally, each one should bear his own burden. Now go back to verse 2 of Galatians 6 where it says, carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Sounds contradictory, doesn't it? Finally, in Psalm 55, verse 22, we are told, Cast your cares, equally, cast your burdens on the Lord, and He will sustain you. That is what the Bible says about our burdens. And maybe these three verses say all that needs to be said. Firstly, note then, Galatians 6.5 tells us that each one should bear his own load. There are burdens, brothers and sisters, that we alone can bear. No one else can do our duty for us. And we, each of us, have a duty. The Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Peter 4 verse 10 in the Living Bible, God has given each of you some special abilities. Be sure to use them to help each other. Passing on to others God's many kinds of blessings. We have no excuse 
There is a job for each of us to do. There is a place for you to fill. There is a life for you to live, separate and distinct from the others in the world. Nobody can believe in the Lord Jesus Christ for you. It is your duty to believe for yourself. Nobody can repent for your sin for you. It is your duty to repent for yourself. Nor can anyone give an answer for you at the judgment seat of God. You will have to give an answer for yourself. Each one must give an account of him or herself to God. That means that nobody gets lost in the crowd. There is no hiding behind brothers or sisters, my friends. There is no hiding behind organizations or churches. Jonathan Edwards, that great preacher of North American colonial days, wrote in his diary two resolutions. Resolved first, he says, that every man should do right whatever it costs. Resolved secondly, whether any man does right or not, I will, so help me God. That is the supreme business of every human being. For each one should carry his own load. God knows us as individuals, and his eyes are upon us. So whether anybody else does right or not, it is incumbent upon me to do right. Whether anybody else is true or not, it is incumbent upon me to be true. The highest contribution that you or I will ever offer this community, this world, is the right kind of life example. The most beautiful portrait, I believe, of Jesus is given in five little words in Acts 10.38. Do you know them? He went around doing good. <laughs> it's the greatest understatement, I grant you. But how beautiful. He went around doing good. And so should we. The late British... Prime Minister Gladstone, never tired of saying, one example is worth a thousand arguments. <laughs> How our Parliament could do with that today. Think about it. One example is worth a thousand arguments. So many thousands of arguments are being heard these days. Where are the examples? Ten righteous men could have saved Sodom and Gomorrah. Where were the examples? Twelve righteous men turned the world upside down because they were called of Christ. The best contribution that we can ever offer 
to Trashland, to Pontypreeth, to South Wales, to our world, is setting the right example. For it is incumbent upon us each to bear our own burden. Secondly, however, Galatians 6.2 tells us to carry each other's burdens. And in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. Burdens oftentimes should be shared with others. Now, of course, it is always important for us to check the context of any passage of Scripture. Many of the problems that we have in Christian circles these days come because the Scriptures have been taken out of the proper setting out of the context. We need always to look at the Scriptures in the proper setting and let the Scriptures say what they mean to say. Notice that this verse is immediately preceded by the Apostle Paul writing, Brothers, sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself. Or you also may be tempted. And then Paul writes, carry each other's burdens. And in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If a person is overtaken by a fault, if a person is caught in a sin, criticize them. No, it doesn't say that. Throw stones at them. No, it doesn't say that. Talk and gossip about them. No, it doesn't say that either. But strangely enough, those three things are often the first three things that we do. Are they not? Rather, we should seek to help those about us. Who have gone astray. We are told by this scripture. To go out. And seek to reclaim. Seek to recover. Seek to restore those. Who are going wrong. But I believe this scripture says. Much more than that. Not only are we to do our best. To restore people who are going wrong. But we are to reach out. To help the people around us, whatever their burdens may be. There are burdens of responsibility. Can you see them? There are burdens of sorrow and of pain. There are burdens of decisions too difficult to make. All about us, friends, there are people with heavy, heavy Burdens. We should never make it difficult for those in places of trust and responsibility to serve and, and to lead. Rather, we should endeavor to make it easy for them with the right kind of cooperation, the right kind of burden bearing. One of the endearing qualities of the films made out of Tolkien's Lord of the Rings, 
is the friendship, the camaraderie that develops among the various characters, hobbits, elves, dwarfs, and man. As they unite together to help Frodo reach Mordor to destroy the evil ring, the ring that threatened the existence of all mankind. The journey had been long. It had been dangerous and very, very difficult. Frodo and his friend Sam had barely survived the many dangers that they had encountered. And as they approached the goal, they were reaching the physical and emotional limits. Now, they were climbing the mountain. As they struggled with every muscle, every sinew in their bodies, upward toward the cave, where the ring must be thrown into the fire. But Frodo collapsed, unable to take another step. All of Sam's encouragement was ineffective because Frodo just didn't have the strength to go on. Since Frodo was the only one who could carry the ring because of its mysterious powers to tempt and overwhelm whoever was wearing the ring, there was only one thing to do. Sam said, I may not be able to carry the ring, Mr. Frodo, but I can carry you. And he put the exhausted Frodo over his shoulder and carried him the rest of the way to their goal. That, friends, is how we as Christians should be to each other. We can't always literally carry each other's burdens. But we can carry each other. Thirdly, and finally, we move back into the Old Testament. Psalm 55:22 exhorts us to cast our cares on the Lord. And he will sustain us. Earlier in the same psalm, in verse 6, the psalmist cried, Oh, that I had the wings of a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. The burdens, you see, were so heavy for the psalmist. The problems, you see, were so awful for him that he simply wanted to quit. He simply wanted to give up. He simply wanted to escape. Does that sound familiar? Have you ever been there? Who hasn't felt that way? We've simply had a gutful And we just want to get away. But that doesn't work. For when we get away, we still have our burdens. We still have our memories. We still have our personalities. We still have ourselves. We cannot run away from life's burdens. So what, my friends, are we going to do? Where can we go? 
there's only one place. Cast our cares, equally our burdens on the Lord. And he will sustain us. He will do it, friends, in one of two ways. He will either take the burden away. Yes, God God sometimes does that in our desperation. We perhaps find ourselves praying like Jesus prayed before us. If it is possible, let this cup pass from me. And God in his grace and mercy takes the cup away so that we don't need to drink from the cup at all. We prayed as we faced the great burden and God heard and the burden was taken away. Hallelujah. God does that sometimes. But sometimes we pray and the burden remains. What if God doesn't take the burden away? Well, God has promised to each and every one of us to come with, if you like, divine reinforcement to help us to bear our burdens, to help us to become victorious over our burdens, no matter how heavy those burdens might be. The Apostle Paul had a divine reinforcement, didn't he? He had a thorn in the flesh. We don't know what it was. We can speculate. Scholars do. There's little point in doing so. We don't know. It was, however, something severe. Something very, very painful. Paul called it a messenger of Satan. Sent to buffet him. He pleaded to God three times. That God might take the burden away. If anybody deserved God to answer and take the burden, you'd think the Apostle Paul deserved it, wouldn't you? But no. But God made him a promise. He says in 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 9, My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Never again, never again, do we read of the Apostle Paul praying that God might take his thorn in the flesh away. From that time on, Paul says, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. What a wonderful promise, friends. If God chooses not to take the burdens away, He gives us increased grace. He sends us divine reinforcement. How, you say? By His Holy Spirit. Christ with us. In our hour of need. Not Christ distant from us. Commanding others to come to our need. No my friends. It's much more wonderful than that. Much more intimate. Much more precious. Christ with us. 
Annie Johnson Flint's life on earth could never be described as a life of comfort or a life of ease. Quite the contrary. From her childhood, her body endured the onslaught of rheumatoid arthritis. And so she could no longer even get out of bed. Over the, year, the years, the affliction took a great toll upon her, leaving her with no choice but to seek comfort from sleeping and resting on soft pillows. Her body, however, developed serious bed sores. And finally, she suffered the ravages of cancer. Yet, her attitude through all the struggles with pain and with confinement may best be seen in one of her wonderful Christian poems that has been subsequently made into a hymn. He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sends more strength when the labors increase. To added affliction, he adds his mercy. To multiplied trials, he multiplies peace. His love has no limit. His grace has no measure. His power has no boundary known to man. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. When we have exhausted our store of endurance, when our strength has failed ere the day is half done, when we reach the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's full giving has only begun. His love has no limit. His grace has no measure. His power is no boundary known to men, for out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. Burdens, from the youngest to the oldest of them, we are familiar with them, aren't we? We're familiar with them. Yes, there are burdens we must bear ourselves. We must give an account. We can't hide behind the crowd. We can't be simply a number of Koyipenman Community Church. We must stand for what we're responsible for. But yes, we also ought to bear each other's burdens. Especially when we see others known to us in sin. Or perhaps straying to the left or to the right. We must endeavor to encourage them, to restore them, and to help them, not by being critical, but by carrying them. And ultimately, friends, we can do that because the ultimate burden bearer is Jesus himself, who giveth and giveth and giveth again. Whatever your burdens of sin, or of grief, or of disappointment, or of remorse, or of fear, or of failure. Dare, my friends, cast your burden, yourself, your all today and forever on the Lord. For he will not, he will not fail you.
always promised to us. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Father, we thank you for these scriptures and for the insights that they give us as we think about burdens. Not difficult, Father, for us to think about burdens, for we're all familiar with them. Varying degrees, perhaps, varying times and and lengths of burden endured, perhaps, but nevertheless, we're all familiar with them. But we thank you, Lord, that we know the ultimate burden bearer who giveth and giveth and giveth again. Might we, every one of us, cast ourselves upon you and your mercy and find in you this morning all that is necessary for life in the here and now and life in the hereafter. In the name of Jesus. Amen.